What is a note? A note basically is just a debt instrument, everybody. It's just a promise to pay. Um, and, and when you become a note investor, you literally step into the shoes of becoming the bank. Okay. So yes, you become your borrower's bank. When somebody signs a note, which is also known as a promissory note, and they're basically promising to pay the bank back the money that they owe. Otherwise, they lose whatever item is attached to that promise to pay, meaning the house or the car, etc. Um, there are different types of notes that you can buy. You can buy notes that are secured by real estate, whether it's residential or commercial or land. You can buy notes that are secured by cars. You can buy notes that are unsecured. Uh, meaning credit card debt. You can buy notes that are performing, meaning the borrower is consistently paying month over month the pro their promise to pay, right? In, in the case of real estate, that's their mortgage payment. Um, in the case of cars, it's their car payment. So you can buy performing notes and you can buy non-performing notes. Non-performing notes is what it sounds like. The borrower has stopped paying their mortgage, okay? You can also buy in a different position, right? So there's first position liens, which is what I buy. Um, and that means that I'm the first to get paid. Or you can buy second position liens. You can buy key locks, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I focus on first position, non-performing notes secured by real estate. And the reason that I buy non-performing notes, because that sounds very counterintuitive, right? How do you make money buying non-performing notes? Um, you'll understand when we get to case studies. But I buy non-performing notes because I buy based on the current market value of the securing collateral, and then I discount it from there. And I get a pretty big discount, okay? I'm gonna show you some brief numbers shortly. Um, so that's why I buy non-performing because I get a much bigger discount to buy it non-performing and hopefully create a performing note, okay? So um, that's why I focus in this space because when I build in, when I buy at a discount, I build in a cushion of equity and that mitigates my risk, okay? I went through 2007, 2008, and I have been there. So I'm very risk averse, right? I, I, when I started my real estate investing career, I was young. I had nothing to lose. I had a huge risk, a very, very high risk tolerance. Now I'm much older and I've been through the crash. I've, I've lost everything, you know, and I've had to build myself back up. So now I'm very, very risk averse. All right. Okay, is there competition in note investing? Yes, but not nearly what you see across all other mediums of real estate investing. I call it the gentler form of real estate investing because I create relationships with asset managers, right? This is how I find deals. I create relationships with asset managers and they send me their list of things that they have for sale directly to my inbox. I don't have to pay for anything. I don't do yellow letters. I don't do bandit signs. I don't cold call. I don't do and I don't door knock. I don't do any of those things. The competition for note investing is very gentle. You submit your bids 
and the asset manager tells you yes, no, or will counter your offer. That's it, right? So no crazy overbidding for fix and flip properties or rental properties or any of that stuff. It's very gentle. I call it backdoor because I'm dealing directly with banks, hedge fund managers, credit unions, other note investors, et cetera. Um, so really my focus to find deals is networking with people. That's all it is, everybody. And the beauty part is that I literally can do this business from anywhere in the world as long as I have a, a telephone, a cell phone, and an internet connection, like a computer, all right? So briefly, let's talk about exit strategies because I want you to understand the numbers of how I make money, all right? So, in, and we're gonna use really easy numbers. Um, when I started note investing, I was able to buy at about a 62% discount, meaning I paid 38 cents on the dollar uh, against the value of the securing collateral, not on the balance owed on this, the house as it sat, all right? So for easy math, we're going to say that this borrower has an unpaid principal balance of $100,000, okay? However, I buy non-performing notes, so they've stopped paying for a period of time, okay? So there's the difference between UPB, unpaid principal balance, and legal collectible balance, okay? Now, legal collectible balance um, is all of the whole total sum of money that is due, including default interest or any fees that we pay as the bank on behalf of the borrower. Those are recoverable expenses, all right? So let's say for this instance, the full amount of money that the borrower owes is $120,000, all right? But the current market value of the property, which is the house, you know, the securing collateral is only worth $80,000. Now, everybody, I don't want to get deep in the weeds here, but this is coming with what people have been paying over the course of the last couple of years, especially for their homes. They've been paying uber inflated prices and they're going to start. There's job loss that's happening across the country right now, property values are coming down. So we're going to see this coming into the note space. There's going to be a lot of product coming in, okay? Because people are already underwater a little bit. It's going to get a lot worse in my opinion. I can't promise that, but in my opinion, starting summer of this year and heavily into 2024 and 25. So this is a great time to start note investing if you haven't already, all right? So the borrower owes us $120,000. The property is only worth $80,000, right? I'm going to purchase on the $80,000. And for easy math, I'm going to use 50% discount. So I'm going to buy this note that I'm owed $120,000 for $40,000, okay? Now, there's some workout costs that are included, like fixing and flipping a property. We have to rehab the paper. So we're going to use $5,000 for this example. It does vary depending upon state and if it's judicial versus non-judicial in terms of foreclosure. But for this example, we're going to use $5,000. So I'm all into this note for $45,000. All right. I automatically have built in a $35,000 cushion of equity. So no matter what my exit strategy is going to be, and we have 23 of them, right? No matter, actually, we have a little bit more than that, but no matter what my exit strategy is going to end up, 
I very likely at the end of this note, I'm going to make somewhere of somewhere in the neighborhood between 25 and 35, maybe a little bit more thousand dollars. Okay. Now some notes we will exit soon, like six months, and some notes we exit 12 to 16 months. I typically do not buy in states that it's going to take me longer than 16 months to exit out of that note. Okay. So again, in previous presentations, I have discussed all four of these exit strategies. These are the four main exit strategies that we use. Um, foreclosure, everybody knows what that is. Short sale, we know what that is. Deed in lieu of foreclosure is when the borrower decides, I don't want the house anymore. I'm going to give you the deed, Mrs. Chase, that's me. I'm going to give you the deed and, and you're not going to foreclose on me. I'm just going to give you the deed to my house and we're going to consider the loan paid in full. All right. And then I get take control of the property and I can do many different things with it. All right. I, again, I just go to the vault. I've discussed all of that um, in previous in previous presentations. My favorite is the re-performing situation. I'm going to give you a couple case studies in that regard, okay? But again, these are the four main exit strategies that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. And we use loss mitigation teams to do these to handle the day-to-day. -day. So I literally spend the bulk of my time in the before I even buy the note doing my due diligence, right? So that being said, how important is due diligence? extremely important. It's not just in the note space, right? If something appears to be off, it usually is. So pay attention to that because the more that you try and force a deal because you want it, the, the harder you're going to fall. Trust me, I know this. I've been doing this a long, long time, everybody. And the worst deals I've ever had are deals that I have forced, okay? So pay attention to your instinct. Pay attention to the due diligence steps and don't skimp, all right? I like to say that good due diligence will give you virtually risk-free note investing and that there's no such thing as a bad note, but there is such a thing as buying notes badly, okay? All right, so we breeze through that really quickly. I'm now gonna get into some of my case studies. Um, both Liz, Liz and, the, and the Royal Legal team have asked me to go into my worst and my best, all right? Um, I, it's hard to pick some of the best, not hard to pick the worst. And this one, again, I want you to know is a very extreme case. This is not the norm, everybody. In all of my years of note investing, I've never seen anything like this, never. And I've been doing this a long time. All right. So keep that in mind, because I don't want you to freak out that, that this is going to happen to you all the time. But I do want to let you know this could happen. All right. All right. So this is an owner occupied single family residence that we bought the note. The, the property is in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, this gentleman had not paid for four years at the time that I bought the note. So the last time he ever paid was January 1st of 20. 13. Okay. I bought this note in April of 2017. So four years later, the purchase price for the note was 18,000 and change. Our workout costs, because this at the time, you know, this is a judicial foreclosure state. At the time, costs were a little less. Now they're a little more. 
But at the time, our workout costs were $6,500. So I was all in for this note at about $25,000. All right. Not too bad. All right. Now, the owner had occupied this property since childhood. He grew up in this home. And at this time, he was already, he was about 60 years old, give or take. All right. Um, the legal collectible balance on this on this note was eighty three thousand dollars. So that was the that was the full amount of money at the time that he owed, and his interest rate was a little over seven percent. Now I like to work with my borrowers. I don't like kicking borrowers out of their house. Okay, I I much prefer to get them to reperform. A it creates a win win situation for them and for me because it's very profitable for us. But the borrower gets a second chance and gets to stay in their home. And that's a great feeling. I want you to know. All right. So I do everything in my power to, to work with my borrower, but sometimes it's not always possible. And my heart hat has to be taken off and my hard hat has to be put, put on. And this is a business. So I had to end up foreclosing on this property. I want you to know that's my least favorite exit strategy. All right. Now, the house was only worth $55,000 at the time. Now, I want you to know this house is huge. It's a 2,400 square foot house. It's three, four bedrooms and two and a half bathrooms. The house inside is very nice. The problem with the house is that it is in a junky area, okay? All right, now, again, I told you I like to work with my borrowers, but this borrower played every game in the book. We offered loan modifications. We offered settlement agreements. Nothing worked. We offered cash for keys, deed in lieu, all of that stuff, right? This guy played, knew the games to play, and he played every single one of them. So with the extended time frame, and you're going to understand that in a moment, and all the legal costs that I had to incur, I ended up being all in for this note at $65,000. All right. Now, again, as I said, we offered everything, nothing worked. This guy, we had to start foreclosure, right? This guy evaded service for the foreclosure um, documents for the complaint. He asked when, when we finally got him served, he asked for mediation. We went to mediation through the court several times. He agreed to sign over the deed, a deed in lieu of foreclosure. He agreed to do that, right? So we paid and had all of the attorneys draft up all the paperwork, et cetera. We were going to give him some cash for keys. At the last second, he backed out, right? So again, the guy is playing games. Finally, finally, after two and a half years, we got the foreclosure through. Now, this is Ohio is a judicial foreclosure state. Ohio used to take eight to 12 months to foreclose. Now it's about 12 to 16 months. Okay. But you can tell at the time it, it was averaging about 10 months and it took us two and a half years to get the foreclosure through. Now, finally got the foreclosure through, finally got it through the process to be to get the, the sheriff's deed. The borrower had not moved. Okay, so we had to go back to court and evict him, another legal process. So that took a long time in and of itself. We had to go through the court process and evict him. We got the eviction judgment 
Then we had to get the sheriff to do what's called lockout. Now, thank God we had started the eviction process well before COVID hit. Okay, because COVID, once anything that happened March of 2020, there was you couldn't even file an eviction until in Ohio for about six months, right? Thankfully, ours had already been filed. It took us well over a year, and this is during COVID times, you know, but it took us well over a year to finally get the eviction um, judgment. And now we have to go to the sheriff's office and schedule what they call lockout, okay? So lockout takes about 45 to 60 days to coordinate. Here's why. It is the law that on the day of lockout, you have to have a moving company on site with a minimum of four guys. They charge $125 an hour each guy. Okay. We as the bank had to pay for that. We also had to have a realtor on site and a locksmith and the sheriff to do the lockout. Okay. If any of those people are late, any of them, then the lockout must be rescheduled. Thankfully, none of my people were late. Everybody showed up on the day of lockout. Thankfully, it's Ohio and it was not snowing because if it had been snowing, then the sheriff has the right to say, nope, we're gonna postpone the lockout and wait until it's not so cold. Thankfully, that did not happen, all right? All my guys showed up. However, our borrower had not packed a single thing. Nothing was packed at all. So we had to pay the movers four guys at $125 an hour each, which totals $500 an hour, 12 hours it took them to pack this guy's house for him, okay? And put it in the moving van and take it to where he wanted them to go. Now, I'm gonna be a little verbal here, right? But this is clearly a crap Sunday, right? And you're all probably thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. And it was everybody, but you know what? I trusted my team and I trusted my due diligence and I, and I trusted the process and I did everything I was supposed to do. You're going to see in a moment. So he hadn't moved anything. Now it is also the law on top of this crap Sunday that I've been dealing with for many years, right? Our borrower left all the stuff that he didn't want to take including trash. Now, I, by law, cannot even throw trash away, by law. So anything that was left, I had to pay the movers to put it in a storage unit for 30 days, which I had to pay for, right? So anything that was left in the house, I had to put it in storage, including trash, for 30 days, and I had to pay for it. So we did. All right. Now, this guy, again, has been living in this house, rent-free, mortgage-free, nothing at all, um, all the way through. He did pay property taxes. He did do that um, because he knew that he could lose it to a tax sale. But he, he didn't pay anything else till, since, since January 1st of 2013. All right. Now, this is the inside of the house. 
Remember I told you that the house is only worth $55,000, okay? Now we were trying to sell it. You can see it's a nice house. We were trying to sell it for $55,000, but the neighborhood had gone downhill and, and we could not command that kind of price, right? The neighborhood was awful, but the house was great. Finally, we went to a wholesaler in my network. He had seen the house when, it, when we had it for sale at 55,000. He wasn't willing to pay 55,000. We finally got it under contract several months later at $40,000. And I was looking at a $15,000 loss. Remember I told you with all the legal process, I was into this note for 65 grand, all right? So I was looking at taking a $15,000 loss. The wholesaler you know, had seen it, liked it, put it under contract. He went to do an inspection, everybody. And he, in order to close, he texted me pictures. An upstairs pipe from the time that we had it on, you know, for sale at 55 to the time we went to contract was about three months. An upstairs pipe had leaked, had broken off at the turnstile, at the, at the in essence, the spigot. Um, and, and it had run water for months, months. This is what my house looked like. Damage beyond belief mold beyond belief. I mean, and, and I just, we had mold, we had destruction. You can see from the pictures that it was horrendous. Now, thankfully, we had, do, we had done what's called force placing the insurance. We had put insurance as the bank. We have the legal right to put insurance in place and have it have the borrower pay for it. It's part, it becomes part of the legal collectible balance because we want to secure the collateral, which is the house, for our invested dollars. We kept that policy all the way through to the time of lockout and all the way through to our ownership. So we filed an insurance claim. The insurance paid $60,000 for this damage, right? So all of it was said and done. We got 60,000 from the insurance. I turned back around to the same wholesaler and instead of $40,000, I sold this property to him for $13,500 as is. He paid the, the balance of the property taxes that because we didn't pay them for, for uh, during the eviction process. Um, he paid the property taxes. He paid the transfer fees. He paid the closing costs. I netted out $13,500. So when it was all said and done, instead of a $15,000 loss, I actually netted $8,500, right? Which is not great after the period of time, but it could have been a lot worse, right? Because I had followed the steps of my due diligence and I covered my assets what was surely going to be a loss ended up being a gain. It was small, but it was a gain, right? So don't be afraid, everybody. This is, again, I want you to know this is a really extreme circumstance. I've never seen, any, seen anything like this before or since, right? But, but because I do good due diligence, because I do 
I follow the steps of note investing, I was able to cover that loss and, and actually have a gain, right? So that was my worst case scenario. Now we're gonna show, I'm gonna show you some of my some of my best case scenarios, not all of my best, but some of them. All right. And I'm gonna do it quickly because I'm looking at the time. All right, this one, and then if you have questions, that's for after. This one is a Victorian home in Richmond, Virginia. It was gorgeous. Um, don't fall in love with the houses, by the way. I know some of you that that I love making ugly things pretty. Um, and, and I have a soft spot in my heart as a former flick, fix and flipper, former rehabber. I have a soft spot in my, in my heart for uh, Victorian homes, but don't fall in love with the houses. This one, the current market value, as it sat, there was a little damage. This one, as it sat, was worth 125000 But if I had fixed it completely and rehabbed it, it was worth about or $225,000, all right? This one all in was 54,000 and change. The borrower was deceased. The heirs wanted nothing to do with the house and they would not be they would not give us a deed in lieu of foreclosure, though I wanted one. I even offered them some cash for keys for that deed in lieu and they said no. So we had to take it to to foreclosure. This area was in the process of gentrification, right? The area had been a little rough in the past, but it was it was coming around. Right across the street was a brand new rehab. Next door and down the rest of the street was multifamily housing, apartment buildings, right? And apartments, um, some of them quite beautiful. This house, this property was zoned R3. So somebody could have torn it down and built an apartment, comp uh, apartment building. Thankfully, they didn't do that. Squatters, again, had done some minor damage on this property. We ended up taking it to foreclosure auction. Now we were owed a total amount of 217,000 and change, all right? But the property was only worth 125. We had a feeling though. So we set the opening bid. We as the bank get to set the opening bid for the foreclosure auction. And we set the bid a little bit high, but not too high. We wanted to create a bidding war and that's exactly what happened. Um, we set the bid at 116,000 and change. We had a bidding war. It's this property sold at foreclosure auction for $124,000 and change. Our net profit was over $70,000, which and in this because it was Virginia, non-judicial foreclosure state took us about nine months. Um, I believe it was nine months. And we had a 129% return on transaction. Now I say return on transaction because that is the it, it's not ROI indicates 12 months typically. That's what's in people's brain. So return on transaction for us um, is a lesser time frame. All right. Our JV partner earned 65% of that of that money. Um, and and we all were very happy. Now, I because I'm a reformed rehabber, I kept up with it. This top picture is the picture from the realtor that, that we sent out to look at the property. Below is the listing on Zillow after the person who bought it at foreclosure auction fixed it. Sure enough, they sold it for $230,000. So if you are a fix and flipper, this is a great way to acquire property. I just ask, please don't kick people out of their houses. Look for notes on properties that are already vacant, okay? But this is a great way to acquire property. Even if you're not a fix and flipper, if you want something that's buy and hold, right? You like your rentals. This is a great way to acquire those properties. Again, please look for something that's vacant, all right?
All right, so now we're getting to my favorite. Uh, my favorite is re-performing loans, meaning working with the borrowers um, to, to get them to start performing. We start creating chunks and streams of cash, all right? So this one is in Chicago, Illinois. I typically don't buy in Cook County because the foreclosure process is a long time. However, this particular asset um, was, was already in mid-process for foreclosure, um, and we had to start it back up. So it was already kind of through the process. This particular property um, had is in Chicago, Illinois, modified unpaid principal balance. Um, this borrower had already had a loan modification to 112,000. Our legal collectible balance on this property was uh, just shy of 198,000. Current market value as the property sat was $255,000, all right? All in for this was $90,000. We bought it in late 2017. The property was occupied by the borrower herself. The borrower did what we call an ostrich, right? They, they, she, put her, she put her head in the ground and hoped that it was going to go away. So we had to re-up the foreclosure process to get communication going. Sometimes you have to do that, all right? The borrower, instead of communicating, immediately filed for bankruptcy 13, which is great. That means that she wants to reorganize her debt and start paying us, okay? And the federal trustee through the bankruptcy court is gonna monitor the whole process. So we don't even have to do anything, you guys, right? So we ended up, we filed what we call a proof of claim, which is, PO, that's what the POC stands for. The borrower started paying $636.22 a month in just her P&I, principal and interest payments, in early 2018. She also made another payment on top of that to get rid of the arrearage, like she was late. So in bankruptcy 13, not only do you have to pay your mortgage payment, you also have to pay on a monthly basis over five years, the arrearage, all right? So what she owed, what she was delinquent. We kept this note and we cash flowed this note through the bankruptcy court all the way through February of 20, and that should say 2022, I'm sorry, 2022. Um, we sold it in February of 2022. The borrower never missed a payment, never once. So we cash flowed uh, this property for five years. We and her monthly payments of $636 only reduced her unpaid principal balance by $2,000, a little bit over $2,000. Most of that $636 was interest. About $600 a month was interest. All right. I sold the note again, February, 2022, sorry about that, for $164,172. You guys, that was over 100%. I mean, that was well over the unpaid principal balance that she owed, well over it. The, the net on this note was about $52,000. If you add that with the $36,000 that we earned at $600 a month in monthly cash flow, that's approximately a 98% return on transaction. Again, the average, not, not you know, it's not super sexy, 19.5% on year over year on average. However, my total time spent in this, you guys, was maybe 20 hours over the course of five years. 20 hours, 
right? Like I said, the majority of my time is spent before I buy the note and then I hand it off to my team and they handle the day-to-day, -day. all right? Last one, um, this is uh, again, my favorite. This is, we actually helped a family stay in their home. And to me, you guys, this one and others like it, it might not be the best in terms of dollars returned, but I can tell you that, that the return to me on things like this is significantly higher than the, than the dollars, right? These to me are the best because I get to make a lot of money saving people um, and, and helping them to stay in their family homes, right? That is to me way better than, the, than even the dollars. All right, so this one is in Richmond, Kentucky. Last paid to date, same thing. The borrowers squatted in their home for years, April of 2012. All in for this note was 49,000 and change. We acquired it September of 2018. Owner had been there since 1998. You think they wanna stay? Probably. Legal collectible, and I'm sorry for the construction noise. They're doing construction next door. Um, <laughs> The legal collectible balance is 95 and change and her interest rate was super high at 10.99%. These people were not bad people, everybody. Life happens every day to people, right? Their husband, her husband had a medical condition, couldn't work for three years. And so they, they just got in over their head and they were just waiting for somebody to either foreclose on them or help them, right? Our loss mitigation team contacted them. Sure enough, they wanted to stay. In March of 2019, we put a trial payment plan in place, which then converted to a loan modification, but they had to put some skin in the game, right? So they gave us $1,000 as a good faith payment. That went to the old loan. The borrower was successful during that six-month trial, and they paid six months at $708 a month. Now, 100 of that 708 was going to a success fee for my loss mitigation team. I wasn't getting that. So I was getting $608, all right? Um, again, all of that $608 during the trial payment plan went to the old terms, the old loan. When they were successful, then we did a permanent loan modification, which resets the clocks, you guys. It's like a refinance, but it's internal. So October of, of 2019, we refinanced internally the loan. We rolled some of the delinquent amount due into the pr principal balance, and we reduced the principal balance to 87,500. We also reduced the interest rate to 8%, and we extended the term of the loan to make the payment manageable. So we made it a 40-year loan, okay? So October 1st started day one. You add all that stuff together, then we ended up with a cash on cash for year one at 25.5%. Now I want you to know that of that $608, if you've ever looked at an amortization schedule, you know that the first five to seven years, almost all of that money is interest. And that's our profit, everybody. That's our profit. So of that 608, $580 on average was the profit for us per month. Borrower gets to keep their house. We created a win-win situation. We created chunks of cash and streams of monthly cash flow in the same vehicle. This is another one that I ended up selling in that February 2022 trade for over UPB, over the unpaid principal balance, right? So that's what's possible with note investing.